to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Thank you. Thanks, CJ. Uh, worship team, I really want to thank you for this morning, for just wonderfully leading us. Um, we just came back from a conference, uh, four or five, yeah, we were there from Monday to Friday, part of our church network conference, MFI, Ministers Fellowship International, and, you know, you normally you think you come back from the conference, you feel a little bit more rested, but actually it's not, it's quite, uh, it's quite exhausting, you know, coming home, and, but I, I, had to learn the song through the conference um, one of the nights one of the worship leaders was leading in. So when I began to hear this, oh, I just didn't, you know, I, was, I think I was on, yeah, I was on bass, so it wasn't too bad that night and but when I went back and in my bedroom as I began to listen to it it just dug further and further and so I thought no I'll, I'll sing it this morning and you know I didn't think that I'd be I'd be undone by by it at all uh, so I'm glad CJ was up there singing with us and uh, the band actually just they just picked it up as we sang we didn't actually even really rehearse I want to thank these guys for just flowing it's you, you know you go I I had a lead worship on the last night of the conference and uh, and we're, we're spoiled here we are really spoiled in terms of in terms of our prophetic flow and in terms of just guys just jumping, we're so spoiled. You know, it's, it's so good. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I just move my body a little bit and my son just knows when to kind of stop and play. And I was watching one of the worship leaders uh, who was actually coordinating the entire worship and his son is a 13-year-old boy. And he came up and he played and on the last day, I had a simpler song. And after I heard him play, I said, I'm going to change the song because I know you're going to be playing. So we're going to do this song. So it was a gospel song that we did. And it was just, just, just having him play was so good. But I could see between him and his dad, it was so easy for them to communicate. Like with me and him, it was difficult. Like this morning, it was a, just a a pleasure and a joy to be here, to be able to just move your body a little bit and everyone knows what's, what's happening. You know, you may not, but these guys know everything that's, that's going on. So it's, it is such a, del- it's such a delight to have. And, and so one of the things that we're hoping to do through our network is to actually take this prophetic worship and actually teach at, 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 various, at, at, at various parts 
within within Australia. That's a that's a proposal we're we're putting into our network because we're finding that this context, this concept, I shouldn't say concept, this this truth of Davidic worship, the tabernacle of David, where there was the sense of you know skilled musicians were put into place and and singers and all of that, and they could prophesy on their instrument. You know, there was something that happened as they began to play. You know, something was released, something was released, something was released. And, and though the last night was good and we were trying to, I just found I'm just trying to really push, push. And it wasn't, it was, it was only maybe going a couple of steps. But here you try and push it and man, it goes like, it goes like crazy here. You know, and, uh, and, and it's, it's wonderful. And the next morning when I was sitting down, had uh, various individuals come in, just share about, about the worship, because I, I, I thought to myself that, oh, it wasn't anything at all. But people had tasted that little bit, which we have on a weekly basis, and we are so blessed. So we're really blessed with these guys, with our worship leaders that just, that just desire to go. You know, we are extremely blessed. So I, I, I really, when you get a chance after service, please think, even if they are not on today, you know those who are on the worship team. You got Simon, Anna, Tracy, uh, CJ, uh, Ryan, Leon, uh, Carrie, Olivia, and we want to welcome Stuart this morning. Oh. It's been a long time since I've heard a 12-string guitar. It sounded like a sitar. A little bit. <laughs> so it's so wonderful. We really want to thank him. Thank you. And thank you, uh, Tendai, for coming up as well. And just, you know, just, you know, just lifting things. We're in a period. We're in a, we're in a season, friends, that there is something that is brewing in this atmosphere. For those of us who've been in the church long enough, you know we go through seasons like this. Just something explosive is, is, is happening. But this is going to take us... I don't know where. I don't know where, but I pray that you folks will come every week. Come every week because every week is different. Something, something happens, and you and I are part of this because God wants, God is, God is, you know, we pray for revival. We want to see revival happen, amen? We want to see all of that happen, and it's happening within us. There is something there is something happening deep inside of us. And so the Lord has heard and continues to hear your prayer. And he wants to see this begin to be released in this place. And you know, we, the, the title of our conference was Small Church. Huh? No, it's Small Church. Right? Now Church was the theme, but the topic was Small Church. And that's what this speaker from the States came to teach on small church. And so there are 80, about 80% of churches around the world uh, between, between 80 to maybe 100 something. Right? But most churches are within the 70, 80 around the world. And as he began to speak to us, he began to share with us about all these principles and, you know, so we had lunch with him, and we said, hey, uh, Carl, we are, I, I want to pick your brain a little bit. He comes from a church of about 150, right? It's 
I don't know, they're about 30 years old or something, and he's amongst the large churches like uh, Rick Warren's church uh, and, and all these um, huge, big churches. And they get him to come and speak, even in their setting. And so he's written a couple of books on that and great principles, but we sat for lunch with him, the three of us and, and him and I, I think one other person. And we're just trying to really pick his brain about this whole aspect of... And so we said, we, we, we're, we're, a, we're a small church, but we're a big organization because we've got so many different things happening. You know, we've got close to around 40 staff that we hire. And so we manage quite a fair bit of things, and we've got a lot of work within, and, and we do a lot within the community as well. And, and so it was, it was so good to be able to really glean from him and to be able to draw from him, even from his wife as well, you know, wonderful, wonderful principles. But we know that the key aspect of this is really looking into the health of the church. At the end of the day, a healthy church, no matter what, cannot be, there cannot be a cap over the growth of a healthy church. So as we work to become healthy, and part of what we're doing here is this, we, we've, got our, we've got our theme called, let's re-engage, re-engage the gospel. So we're looking into the gospels this year. We want to bring this aspect of the gospels. What are the gospels? What do the gospels really um, uh, declare to us? What do the gospels really teach us? So many times we get, you know, we, we can either get uh, sermons on oh, how to live a healthy life or how to live a, a wealthy life or how to be prosperous or how to be hopeful or, or all of this, which is good and which is important. But knowing who Jesus really is and what Jesus expects of us and what Jesus has laid before you and I, we may be believers for quite a while, for, for, for quite a while. But do we really exercise and, and, and feel we move in the power? Do we move in the power of deliverance? Do we move in the power of healing? Do we move in the power that when someone... If, if, if someone needs to be delivered, are we willing to step up or are we going to fold our hands and say, Larry, Krista, Kevin, maybe the elders, it's your responsibility. I will pray from here. But you go over there. When Jesus chose and when Jesus gave the great commission, who do you think he gave it to? Everyone, all of us, all of us, right? And the all of us are those who will take his word for what it is. That's who the all of us are. The all of us could be all of us who don't decide to take the word for what it is. And so we go on our Christian walk, not experiencing the sense of his power. Right? The sense of his power. But if all of us, if we believe in that, that aspect, then all of us should be experiencing that. We should step up when something happens. We should step up when there is an opportunity to be able to pray for this person, pray for that person. We should step up because opportunities will just come. Will just come. It will come. It will present itself. You know, last week I saw, uh, I think, Sam at, 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 uh, at lunch. I saw him kneeling and praying for someone. I didn't know who it was, but laying hands on somewhere on their knees and praying. And I was thinking, man, what a great thing to see happen. It doesn't need to happen just during church service. Amen. 
but it can happen out there. It can happen where you are. It can happen with your neighbor as you're, as you're going for a walk and you, and, and you meet someone and you say, and the person's talking about their finger and, and, and that it's hurting and all of that. And you say, can I please pray for you? Right. You know, can I please pray for you? And, and, and that's the, I believe that's the day and age that we are living in yeah. where his word needs to be as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago when he moved so powerfully on earth. And then he gave power to us. And within that now, we, now, we need to be exercising that. We can take the power and we keep it to ourselves. Or we can take it and we begin to exercise that. Now, we know we live in a world where they tell us, hush, don't say Jesus. The only, the only way you can say Jesus, oh, for Christ's sake, then you've got permission to. But if you say, no, hey, I know who can heal you. Whose report do you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Tell me, whose report do you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Let me tell you something. I can pray for you. And you know what? Jesus is going to heal you. What is to stop us from doing that? You may... You, you may work in a school, you may work in a hospital, you may work in different places where, where they say, hush, please, don't bring all of this Jesus, Jesus stuff in here. And so we comply. And we are put into this mold. And we are looking at a series that we're doing right now in terms of reintroducing Jesus. I don't know whether that can come in the middle slide, reintroducing Jesus. Uh, no, not that. There is one slide of Jesus bending down and kind of writing. Maybe it's not set up. That's, no, not that. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. Reintroducing Jesus. That's the series. So last week we started with, I am the bread of life. Right? And we, and, and we looked at the context of the bread of life in its literal sense. When it's literally uh, interpreted, it means I am the bread of existence. So... The, so if we eat of him, if we drink of him, that is sufficient. Now today, we want, to look at, we want to look at a second aspect, and probably I will not finish that. So I will just do it as an introduction to you, because otherwise you might be here till probably 12.30, 12.45, and I don't think you would like to, because you two need some bread, Amen. For lunch, hallelujah. Do you want some bread for lunch? <laughs> You're all afraid to answer. <laughs> you think it's a trick question. No, it's not. It's not. Okay, now, Jesus spoke now in, in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, and verse 9 and 5. Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I am the light of the world, right? And it also says this in, in uh, John chapter 9, verse 5. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. 
right? We touched on the context of the I am, and I want to, I want to potentially just touch on that one more time because this, this is an, this is an important, an important statement. He says that I am. So the, the, the statement, the very first time when he begins to say that I am the bread of life, he says I am, and then he further says that I am. Now, the light of the world. So this I, I am. Now, it's a, it's a covenant name. It's the covenant name of God. That means Yahweh, right? Revealed to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Now, this, this phrase speaks, and this is, the, this is the important aspect. It speaks of self-sufficient existence. Now, theolog uh, th theologians, they refer to this as Aseity, A-S-E-I-T-Y. Now, it is an attribute that only God possesses. It is also a phrase that the Jews, now hear this, the Jews knew this and who were listening would have automatically understood as a claim of, of, de of deity. Amen. Thank you. So, they knew that. So instead, now, Jesus' statements are meant as an absolute. So the I am means I am, have been, and always will be. They are statements that only God can rightfully make. And at this, and this is what, this is what really angered the Jewish leadership. So it's no wonder why they actually really wanted to kill Jesus. When he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, can we, go to our, can we go to my slides, please? Before Abraham, before Abraham was, I am. So truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Because the Jews look back to their father Abraham as a pivotal person. As an important figure. Now he's saying that, hey, before Abraham, I am. I'm the one who existed before that. I'm the one that actually created him. So look, look, look to me now. And in that point in time now, as Jesus in human form begins to speak to the Pharisees, what's going through their minds? They're looking at this person and they're thinking now, he is just a human being. He's like, he's like me. How can he now begin to equate himself to God the Father? And as you continue to read, he actually, and it, 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 in fact, actually, as you read that, it sounds like he's being kind of sarcastic with them. If you really knew, if you really knew me, you would know the father. You know, he's just like, you know, being absolutely, he's just giving it to them straight between the eyes. Right? He's not, he's not mincing his words. So Jesus already has been described as the, as the light. In the Gospel of John, he begins to describe himself as that. So in the opening chapter, John wrote, in John chapter 1 verse 4, he spoke of the light six times in that context. Now in chapter 3, there is also a similar reference. Now John said in, in John chapter 3 verse 19, and, and in this verse, and those immediately following, they refer to light five, at least five times there is reference of Jesus being light. And in each of these cases, the image is in, is in John's words only. So this image, 
John brings out. Now, however, that as we read these verses, and as we read further, we will find ourselves actually really asking these questions. Why? Why does John refer to Jesus in this way? Why do you think that John referred to Jesus as, as light? Where did he even get this image? And these, this is important because in the whole context of reintroducing Jesus to us, we must be asking these questions. Why, why light? Why, why is there a reference of light? Where did John get this image? How did he develop this idea? It is only when we get to our present text, which is John chapter 8, that we really discover the answer. So as you, as you begin to read, you know, chapter 1, 2, 3, and all of that, there, there is mention of this. Now, and as we read the Gospels, we should be asking, what is light significant? What is the significance of light? In the context of Jesus saying, he is the light of the world, Right? So Jesus' claim to be the world's light is the second of the seven great I am's that we're talking about, right? We started last week with I am the bread of life in Romans chapter 6, verse 35. It's all up there. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. So this is going to be a series of seven, seven messages on what we call reintroducing Jesus Christ, where he begins to proclaim that he is the I am. He associates himself to the Father, to God, which is, as I've said, it is, it, it is, it is, an, it is a countercultural term used in that. Now take that in today's context. You bring Jesus out, and the world looks at, looks at you, and, and they think, what Jesus why do I really need to believe in Jesus? Is Jesus the all-sufficient one? You mean Jesus can do all of this? It's a fairly similar setting that we are in as we begin to proclaim. And so we will face that, that, that difficulty, right? So Jesus, and, and as we look at this, we, as we look at the statement, I, I did make this uh, I did mention this last week that we've got to look into the context of what it says. So the I am statements now from the Lord, it took place, very interestingly, let, let me give you a little bit of history here. It took place at a Jewish feast of tabernacles. Now one of the main ceremonies of this feast was what they call the illumination of the temple. So most commentators they believe that Jesus proclaimed himself to be light of the world at the illumination ceremony. So this was what was happening. And so at that, at that, at that point, right, he begins to step forward. And what is this ceremony? Now, there are four enormous, I think, yeah, that's, you've got that, you've got that picture there. There are four enormous stands which held four golden bowls. They were set up in the temple's courts. These 16 golden bowls were then reached by ladders, as you can see there's a ladder, by ladders and filled with oil. They used the, the old clothes of the priest for wicks. 
When those huge lamps were lit at night, the light shined all over Jerusalem. That great blaze lit up every courtyard in the city, and it burned all night long. You know that song, all night long? Probably was composed then. All night. <laughs> and it burned all night. But everyone knew that it is an expensive, oh, sorry. Everyone knew that the light was going to flicker and die. Again, that scene, against that scene, Jesus steps forward and then he begins to say, I am the light of the world. So whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So go back to that scene, please. Go back to that photo. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll indicate when to move to the next slide. Thank you. And so as we look, as we look at that, as, we, as you look at that photo, imagine this, right? This is at, at this point in time, as, he, as you begin to see all of this, and this begins to light up. And let me give you an, ex an, an explanation here. This expansive statement that Jesus says, I am now the light, the one and only light. But what I love about this statement is this, that he is the light of the world. This means that his light is intended for the whole world. The light is not just for the Jews, but also for every nation, tribe, and tongue. The light is not just for the wealthy, but also for the poor. Not just for the religious, but for the irreligious. Not just for the good, but also for the bad. Not just for the church people. Not, for the, not, not just for those who attend church, but for the whole world. So, when this light, this light in, in actual fact would light up the entire city. This light would, would light up the entire city. And to that now he becomes and he says, you are the light of the world. Now, I'm going to finish up the rest of it next week. But I want us to consider this. That he says, you and I are the light of the world. You and I are light. We carry this light. And if Jesus steps up and he begins to shift the mindset of these Jewish leaders at this feast, and he says, as you see this light lighting up the city, I want you now to know that I, Jesus, am the light of this world. I will light up the places of darkness in your life. I will come into those places where you feel so challenged, where you feel that God is not present, where you feel that nothing can potentially happen. Jesus is saying that he will come into that space now and he will begin to light it up. Can we just turn off the lights in this place for a second? Can I just have all the lights off? Now, no one knows how to turn that off, is it? <laughs> Everything off. Totally. Totally off. Totally off. Still got some light. Yep. And leave those lights off. Man, it's still not dark enough, isn't it? But imagine that. Turn off all those lights at the back. Yes, everything. I want everything off. Everything off. Even the screen. 
I know I'm going to, I'm kind of throwing the curveball. That's good. Oh, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. In this darkness. Think of the darkest moments in your own life. Think of the darkest moments. Joe, just bring the lights up gradually. And as Jesus comes into that dark place, and he now tells you, I am the light. I am your light. Start bringing it up. What just happened? I can see clearly now. The rain has come. You must be thinking I'm listening to a lot of these songs, don't you? They suddenly just come to my mind. What's just happened is this. Darkness has got no space in this place. Darkness cannot have any space in this place. The minute light comes in. And so what is Jesus now coming and introducing to the Pharisees, to the Jewish people who were walking in this religious darkness? who were living by rules and by laws that could not bring freedom, that for everything they had, they came up with a law. They came up with a law, and they came up with a law. And Jesus now comes, and he says, I am that light, the light that fills. The team, if you can come up, the light that fills. The city, I am this light, and I will fill your life. If you take me in, I will fill that life. So friends, if Jesus is that, why do we still live in darkness? The darkness of uncertainty. The darkness of not knowing what to do. The darkness of not knowing his will. The darkness of, of, of feeling like as if God has left you and I. Where will God ever leave us? So it demands... It demands from us the need to, to be absolute in our trust of who God is. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And as, and as, we, as we consider this, as you consider, you know, the Lord's, the Lord's moved in a wonderful way, and hence that's why I don't want to belabor this morning. There are things that God's already deposited here within our service this morning. And if you sense something deep within where the Lord has, has, has moved you in a, in a particular way, if God has challenged you in a particular way this morning, I want you to begin to respond. I mean, you don't need, we're not going to be inviting you up to the front. What we want to encourage over this period of time 
is this, is for you to personally, particularly through these seven weeks that we do, the series, I will not be, when I say encouraging, meaning I will not be inviting you to come forward for us to pray for you. It doesn't mean that you can't do that as we conclude our service because we'll have a prayer team. But I will not, you know, for this one very important reason. I, I want you to battle where you are. I, I want you to push into this place of authority that Christ has for you. Because it's yours, it's not someone else's. Our reliance on someone is so strong that the I am is so weak. Yeah, it's good. So I want you to enter into that place of where I am is who He is. He is your I am. He's He's your all sufficient one. And that's the only way that you can survive in a world that we live in today, where someone will come and tell you and you will just get pushed by the wayside. Why am I not going to believe? Why shouldn't I? Why, why, should, why should I stop believing? You know, friends, some of you here know we have been, we've put our house on the market. And we was, we were told we'll get some phenomenal prize and blah, 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 and all of that. And we were so excited about it. And we went in. At the end of October, our house went up for sale and we began to clean our house week after week every Saturday you know we clean every and you know you work full-time you go back you clean you then you do several other things in ministry you know it's it's never a 40-hour week and we did that we continued we continued and we continued and every week you'll have someone or a few come and then they say oh we like this we don't like this we like this we don't like that and the more they say they don't like this it really angered me it angered us how dare you say that about my house you know how dare you say that about this and, and so we got personally involved and you know you, you know how it is and then we had to trust God because the Lord was saying trust more trust and and then we had one other person who's here who put their house up in January and in seven days the house got sold and got sold for so much more and then we're thinking God maybe they are more your favorite than we are right only Jesus is the I am hallelujah thank you and so uh, and, and you know what and, and this is what I was telling the Lord this. so this was my darkness I said God now you got crystal Lord she is in agreement with selling the house so shouldn't it be faster because she prays more she does this more she does that Lord why don't you honor my wife to sell so that was that was my that was this darkness that I was dealing with because I was angry I was frustrated I was annoyed and I'm coming up here and I'm preaching about trust more trust more trust more and one morning early one morning I came in here and I was praying and I remember I was there right in front of Vinnie I was kneeling down and I was praying and the Lord said this trust more and I think yes you told that a while ago trust more and so don't trust the agent don't trust the process don't trust the builder 
but trust more. Trust me. Can you trust me? It was this, can I trust me? And I'm, it, it came to a point where it was like as if the Lord took me through a series of things in my life that I needed to then begin to see, can I really trust God for more? And, and, and I want to say this because I, I, want to, I want to stand up here and say this. Because physically I felt this. I was taken to a different realm. A place where trusting was a plausible aspect, was something that, yes, this is of a different dimension. And then I remember Jamie Galloway's word to us. He said, I see February as a time that you will celebrate. I see you going into different realms. So on the 4th of Feb, they, they came in. There was a couple that came in. And with their names, I knew they had to be Christians. So I contacted, because his last name was Abraham. I contacted my friend Abraham. Abraham, do you know these people? Because I wanted to find out some background. If, I, if they're going to get it cheaper, I want to know that they are someone that I want to make sure that are going to be blessed. Sadly, he didn't know. Anyway, I, we, we felt, we were asking, should we, should we not, should we, should we not? Sal, and the Lord then said, read Romans 8, 25. So, friends, this was my conversation with God. Should we, should we not? You know, when, when, when you've worked in the bank before, you, when it comes to times like this, you tend to put on that, that hat and you begin to work out all of your sums and everything to make sure that, okay, the end result needs to be this, so I need to sell for this, I need to get this, I need to get that. So there was this elimination of God that he was trying to teach. So there was this, I, I, and I call it this darkness. Why? Because it is taking me into a place where I am eliminating what God is trying to teach me at this season. So when he says that he's the light of the world, what season are you in now that God wants to come and light that world of yours that you're in? That space that you find yourself in, that you struggle to trust God, you struggle to even find your ends meet. God is coming and saying, I want to light up that world. I want to light up that space. I want to light up that space. So when he told me to read Romans 8.25, can someone turn to Romans 8.25? The NLT. Have to read the NLT. Oh, not the NKJV, please. Yes. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So the agent is telling me, if you wait till the weekend, the, the price may not be right and blah, 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 and all of that. And so the agent said that, I'm not trying to force you to sell, but you may lose them. So here we're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Lord, do we sell? Do we not? Do we sell? Do we not? And then this is what the Lord says. If we look forward to something we don't yet have, because the price was not something we wanted. So we still didn't have it. But we had to wait patiently and confidently. So I told the agent, uh, doesn't matter. We'll wait till this weekend. 
then she continued to say, then I, then I told her this, I said, I have received strict instructions to wait. I couldn't tell her that God told me to wait. I have received strict instructions to wait. And you know what she turned around and told me after a statement or two? I think God is testing you. This is from the mouth of the agent. I think God is testing you. So then I told her, I said, at the end of this whole transaction, I will share with you the story. To cut the whole story short, which we will do one of these days, we will share with you. The house is sold, has gone unconditional. And we're in this next season of building. Right? But God had to come and light up that space of trust that was still in darkness or semi-darkness, if you know what I mean. You know, we've got one foot here and one foot there. So today, as God challenges you, He wants to pull you out from that.